You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 57. Hey guys, happy Monday and happy December. First episode of December. I can't believe it's already December. This year has been wild and crazy. (laughs) But this week we have a birth story from Kelsey. We recorded this episode a while back, right in kind of the middle of when the pandemic was kind of starting um, and I was still pregnant. So it's been a little bit since I talked to Kelsey, but she has a great story to share, very eventful story to share. So Kelsey is a 27-year-old stay-at-home mom of two. She and her husband have been married for almost four years, but together for 11 years total, which actually is the same amount of time that my husband and I, well, actually, I guess my husband and my we were a little bit over 11, but about, about 11 years. She welcomed her first child in February of 2018, experiencing a somewhat traumatic birth, including a failed epidural, a fast labor that resulted in her doctor not arriving in time, and an experience with a less than helpful lactation consultant. Yuck. Her second birth in December of 2019 was another quick birth and required a vacuum assistance um, as a result of her son's heart rate dropping quite low a few times. However, even though her second birth required some unexpected interventions due to his umbilical cord being all wrapped up around around his neck, um, she felt that it was very much a healing experience after the traumatic birth of her daughter's birth. Kelsey also addresses her two very different experiences with breastfeeding and lactation support. Remember we said first one wasn't so good uh, and how education for expectant mothers is crucial and I cannot agree with that more. We're going to talk a little bit more before this episode. I'm going to talk to you guys about my favorite um, lactation resources and then Kelsey talks about talks about lactation too in her episode. So let's get started. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast was brought to you by Milkology. I love Milkology, guys. So if you've been following me for a while, you probably know all about Milkology and how much I love Milkology and how I promote it all the time. If you haven't, listen up. It's really awesome. It's this really awesome breastfeeding educational course that you can take for really cheap. It's very, very well done, and it goes over everything that you need to know in terms of breastfeeding and pumping and just the whole nine yards. She does have a few different classes. Um, I like to tell people most about her original breastfeeding course, but she also has a back-to-work pumping course and an exclusive pumping course. So her original breastfeeding course, I like to tell people, you would think I like to tell people who are already breastfeeding about it, but I actually like to tell people who are currently pregnant to start breastfeeding education then. Because coming from someone who had not such a great breastfeeding experience the first go around with Walter, um, I wish I had done the education on the front end instead of just relying on my own half-ish knowledge on breastfeeding um, and learning stuff from lactation consultants and Googling a bunch of stuff after I'd already had him and after I'd already been breastfeeding. I wish I had actually spent some time read some reading some books, taking a course like this, really doing my education on the front end while I was still pregnant to prep myself for breastfeeding instead of you know, just trying to pack it in while I was already struggling with it. So that's exactly what this course is. It's going to really, really prep you for breastfeeding. And it's also really great because it's online. Like my courses, it's online. You can go back and just refer to it. Um, if you want to refer to it after you've already started breastfeeding and you, you know, just want to get a refresher. This class will have you breastfeeding your baby with complete confidence and empower you to successfully reach your lactation goals. And the best part, like I said, it's all online. You don't even have to get out of your PJs. You don't have to go nowhere. It's (laughs) COVID-friendly, just like all these online courses nowadays. 
Here are a few things that you'll learn when you enroll. Number one, the biggest mistake women make that can sabotage breastfeeding. Number two, the most effective breastfeeding position to get a deep latch. Number three, two simple ways to ensure your baby is getting enough milk. Number four, a powerful strategy to make more milk whenever you need to. And number five, seven places to seek out and find your super support tribe. And there is so much more, guys. So if you're interested in this class, head over to mommylabornurse.com slash milkology, and it's just how it sounds, M-I-L-K, milkology, O-L-O-G-Y, and use the code M-L-N-10 to save 10%. Again, that's mommylabornurse.com slash milkology, and use that code M-L-N-10 to save 10%. And now let's get into today's episode. Hi, Kelsey. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, how are you? Good. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, what you do, what your hobbies are, all that good stuff? Yeah, so I'm 27 um, <laughs> and I live in Cincinnati. Um, you know, everybody jokes Ohio is the most boring state, but I promise it's not. <laughs> is that really a joke? I didn't know that. It's like, I don't know if maybe, you know, the internet just puts that on my feed with all the (laughs) algorithms, but I'm like, man, Uh give us a break here. Um, (laughs) My husband and I have been together for 10 years. We've been, or almost 11, been married for about three. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom to my two wild heathens. Um, (laughs) And um, mostly like hobbies right now feel non-existent because they're so little, yeah. but you know, they'll come back around eventually. I hear you. I used to play softball and, you know, a bunch of intramurals with former coworkers, but that'll happen eventually. You can't know. do Can't do it right now. I know. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening to this, uh, this episode we recorded, um, when, oh, I hope when it comes out, the corona st- coronavirus stuff isn't <sighs> like active, active. Um, but it's probably still, hopefully it's just a distant memory, <laughs> Yeah. but yeah, we're dealing with, we're still all in quarantine and, um, hope, hoping that it's going to end at some point, but who really knows? <laughs> we can all get back to like kind of our normal lives. Definitely. <laughs> and I was going to say too, so like, I don't really know what to label myself. I don't know if I'm a work from home mom or a stay at home mom or like a work. Cause I mean, I kind of just do all of it. <laughs> like when I was going into my office. Um, but a lot of people were saying, Oh, for the stay at home moms, like this is no big deal. And it's like, no stay at home. Moms still no. want to go place. Like you still, you don't have the ability to like, just go out. It's probably just as hard on stay at home. moms. Oh, my two year old, <laughs> she wanders around the house and she goes, Museum, yeah. zoo, mm-hmm. fish, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the aquarium, and yeah. uh, and she'll say our friends' children's names, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm so sorry, honey, we can't, we can't go see them. We're stuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because you're a stay-at-home mom doesn't mean you're always home, right? <laughs> like you at least have have the ability to like go places and be public, you know, be in public places exactly. or go and hang out with friends and do play dates and stuff. And yeah, that's been pretty non-existent for the past little bit. So, but enough about coronavirus. Um, let's not make this a depressing episode <laughs> and talk about coronavirus. Um, we are doing a birth story today, guys. So let's go back then to your two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And getting pregnant with her, and I kind of mm-hmm. like to take kind of like to take people back to if you had like kind of before you got pregnant, talk about if you had any issues with fertility or you know anything like that, and then we can talk about pregnancy and birth, and then we can move into your second one. Yeah. So with my two year old, um, we knew we wanted to get pregnant right away. We got married in November two thousand sixteen, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, of course, I stopped taking my birth control and I was like, oh, maybe we'll have a honeymoon baby. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen, which is mm-hmm. fine. You know, then I, then you kind of go, oh, well, I'll enjoy some married time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a while and um, we did have one miscarriage and mm-hmm. it was, it was very, very early to the point I didn't know I was pregnant until it was happening. So I feel like maybe uh-huh. I wasn't as like 
devastated as I feel like I could have been had I been further along yeah. and had time to get excited. And then in J- July is when we found out mm-hmm. we were expecting. So really, we didn't have any issues. Took about six months, um, and everything, you know, obviously went fine from there. She's mm-hmm. here, healthy, great. Um, mm-hmm. During my pregnancy, though, I was extremely sick until the day she was born. Um, really? Oh, yuck. Yeah, I vomited probably every hour. 45 minutes to an hour to two hours um, throughout the night every day until the day she arrived. It was not ideal. (laughs) How did you even do anything? I mean, Um, well, I still worked terrible. I worked about 50 hours a week at that point. And um, I was on the phone at my job. I Mm -hmm. was like a, I scheduled field trips, worked with worked with teachers and stuff at a museum. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of times where, you know, calls just went unanswered and it yeah. was what it was. Just I got hold on a second. People. Let me go. Yeah, Let me go throw up really quick and come back. Oh, that sounds terrible. Um, yeah. And like the only thing that helped me and I had extreme guilt over this is the only thing that helped me have good times to where I would have two hours between throwing up would, was Coca-Cola. So of course I, mm-hmm. as a first time mom, I'm freaking out over, Oh my gosh caffeine, all of this. And you know, yeah. I talking to my doctor absolutely just started crying. Like I'm hurting yeah. my baby. What? Yeah. And she said, listen, if that's the only thing that can keep you from throwing up, you have to do what you have to do. Like at, yeah. at this point, it's about staying hydrated. It's about being able to eat mm-hmm. at the end of the day, caffeine. It, it is what it is. You're going to, yeah. it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, no, that, exactly. After that, I just kind of had to let that go. Toward the end of my pregnancy, I was would have to go get fluids somewhat mm-hmm. frequently. Um, you know, it, it was never too far out of my radar to feel like, okay, this is, is too much. I'm too dehydrated, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. o- other than that, she was super healthy. She was growing correctly. Um, and there were no complications otherwise. Um, so, you know, thankful for that. And so skipping forward to, to the end... Mm-hmm. Um, at 37 weeks, I, which it was a Friday and I had my first cervical check and, mm-hmm. um, it, it went fine. And earlier that week I had this like huge sense of, you need to pack your hospital bag. It needs to be completely ready. You need to put it in the car <laughs> right now. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And so, and then a couple of days go by and I'm like, eh, I'm just crazy. I've looked at social media too much about people going into labor and I still got three weeks. We're fine. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so that Friday it was my husband's last night out with his friends and like they went out and went, we're drinking and it was fine. And I stayed home and, you know, kick, kick back and relax. And I finally Mm -hmm. went to bed, but I I went to lay down. I could not sleep. Like something in me was just like wide awake like mm-hmm. I had this burst of energy when usually I would fall asleep anywhere from being so sick. One oh. thirty, my my husband got back from being out with his friends, and mm-hmm. then they were sitting on our back deck because it was like an unusually warm February. <laughs> They're like just talking, having a beer or whatever, and my water broke. Oh, but no. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. But I was wide awake, and I. I knew in my gut that's what it was. So I called called the doctor before telling my husband and I'm like, so my water, I think my water may have broke, but I don't need to come in, right? I'm fine. I can just stay home. And she was like, well, Total if you- n- denial. <laughs> yeah. She was like, well, if you'd like to have your baby at home, you can. And I was like, um, okay, we'll head that way. And, and so I walk out and my friends or my husband's friends had gotten Ubers home and I was like, super calm. Like my water broke. We need to go to the hospital. And he said, I have to take a shower. So he like <laughs> hurries up and does that. And obviously at this point, it's not very safe for him to drive. He's, he's- I was going to just ask if he's like been out and yeah. you know what, Kelsey, like I remember it's funny that you were like 37 weeks on the dot because I remember, cause my husband, you know, he likes mm-hmm. to have a beer just like anybody else. Like he likes to have beers on the weekends and God knows like a couple beers after he gets off from stressful days of work in the middle of the day, you know, that's normal. Um, but I told him, I was like 37 weeks, 
you like we gotta chill like you can mm-hmm. still have a beer or two beers but like we can't be we can't be blowing a po- 0.08 <laughs> you know right. like if if you need to drive me to the hospital so it is so interesting funny that <laughs> not maybe not funny but I'm saying like it's oh, funny gosh, now 37 weeks and like <laughs> and it wasn't oh. like it wasn't anything bad he after he took yeah. a shower he was definitely like fine yeah. but like, I was, drove like, myself to the hospital yeah yeah. So yeah. I, I was like, okay, we're going. <laughs> he gets in the passenger seat. I drive myself to the hospital. But at that point, I still was in the back of my he- head like, this isn't labor. Maybe I right. peed. I, I mean, right. maybe. Um, and I wasn't having contractions. So we get there. It's probably about 3.30 at that point. And um, it, it was just... It was it was wild. So we get there and they did the little swabs um, mm-hmm. to see if my water had broken. They all came back negative. And then, but the doctor was came in and she said, "You know, there's pooling in in the vagina. I feel like this mm-hmm. is definitely it." So they looked under the microscope and it was positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got moved up to labor and delivery. It was by about four thirty, five o'clock by then. I felt like it took forever. Um, still wasn't having any contractions at all. It was just like, my belly was getting hard, but I was like, this is fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. This is yeah. easy. What have people been talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, and then I should have known from this point that it was just going to go downhill because it took seven tries to get my IV started. Oh. So I, I told them from the beginning, like I'm a hard stick. They always like, um, they always struggle. So they had a nursing student try. <laughs> what <laughs> that doesn't make sense and they were like well if you don't mind I was like I don't care it's, I, I'm not somebody that's squeamish it doesn't bother me it's a poke it hurts for a second and yeah. so she tried like three times and this poor girl had tears in her oh. eyes she's like I'm so oh, I'm sorry sure. I'm like You're... I've been there as a nursing student yeah. I know but probably not the best choice of patient to do it on and I was like okay you're fine it's fine I said try one more time and then we'll, yeah. we can, you know, do whatever. Yeah. So tried one more, didn't work. And um, then they had a phlebotomist come in and do it. And um, so at that point, by waiting for the phlebotomist and everything, I didn't start a petition drip until probably 6.30 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, still wasn't feeling any contractions. They kept turning it up, turning it up, turning it up until it was like 10.30 in the morning before I finally felt something. And then it was like, boom, it was happening. Mm. It got real. Mm. And, um, you know, maybe it seemed like maybe a minute in between each, but time is weird. Time is fake when you're in labor. And, um, so at around 1230, I did ask for an epidural and I will say that I went into this birth completely unprepared I knew from the people would ask, Oh, are you going to get an epidural? And I said, yes, I'm not trying to be a hero. I am a wimp. <laughs> like I'm getting an epidural for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the anesthesiologist got there around one and he, my mom stayed in the room with me. Um, she's a nurse. She's really like calm, cool, collected. My husband is not. And, um, <laughs> as he, most husbands are, <laughs> <laughs> And so they were placing the epidural and I hear, oh, which is a good sound. That's definitely what you want to hear when somebody's putting a needle in your back. And he said, I, I just hit a blood vessel. I backed out. I think I redirected. It should be fine. And I was like, Ugh. great. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, by the time it kicked in, I got made like 15 minutes where I was like, this is good. I can do that. Mm-hmm. I could have a baby like this. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting up and I tell my little support team. You know what? You guys get lunch. I'm going to take a nap. Like I've been up since yesterday morning at 8am basically at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, and I was only three centimeters dilated. And so I remember looking at the clock and I remember they walked out, um, at like 115, 120 to go get, to go get pizza. They just went to a pizza place right down the street. And, um, I lay down and minutes later, all of a sudden, just pain and I start Mm -hmm. vomiting and it just like, oh, it hit me so hard. 
Um, and so at, you know, 115, I was three centimeters dilated. The nurse checked me at two and I was seven centimeters dilated. Oh, okay. Well, um, I called, yeah. yeah, I called my mom. <laughs> they all came rushing back. And my mother-in-law yeah. just waited at the pizza place for all their orders. They hadn't even gotten <laughs> drinks. They just like, she just waited for them. Um, and they come rushing back. They make it. And at 20 minutes after two, um, I got the urge to push. But there was, there was no doctor. Uh-huh. Um, and I, the, the nurse checked. I was fully um, dilated and they could see that my daughter had hair. Um, <laughs> so the nurse said, Jeez. she said, do not push. The doctor's coming in. Do not push. <laughs> and so I breathed through like these huge contractions, feeling everything at this point. Yeah. Like the, the yeah, epidural just wasn't working. And um, my best friend who was there, she said, yeah, basically the nurse had the her hand on the baby's head, holding, <laughs> holding her in. And um, so the hospitalist gets there and I'm pretty sure there was no communication at all because, so my daughter was born at 244. Mm-hmm. Here she is. Great. Um, she's six pounds, one ounces. She's screaming. It's awesome. And yeah. then um, they said, well, you did tear. It's a level two tear and you're going to need mm-hmm. stitches. So mm-hmm. back to the no communication thing, the doctor did not know that I could feel everything. Oh. And I got all of my stitches with no general anesthesia, no numbing, nothing. Oh. And honestly, that was probably the worst part of anything because that felt preventable. Like labor is labor. Labor, Like I had to get this baby out somehow. You know, that had to happen. And were they just saying, uh... That I'm sorry that happened. That is, (laughs) that's awful. But I guess were they just because I've I've not seen that where they're like just completely denying like oh she had an epidural she's not you know she doesn't need lidocaine or local anesthetic or anything. But were they were they asking you at all or are they just like doing their thing? Oh, he just went full steam ahead. I was squirming on the table like in pain. My mom was like, "Honey, you have to keep still." Like, um, I was like, (laughs) and my husband was like, it's okay. It's okay. And I looked, (laughs) this is one of my favorite memories now. And I looked at him and I said, don't tell me to keep still. They're stitching up my vagina and I can feel all of it. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And he just didn't know what to say and kind of, he he kind of faded (laughs) away. shuts him up. (laughs) You're like, you don't have a vagina. Sorry. Yeah. There's nothing I can uh, like relate this to you with. Right. Oh man. And he didn't realize, he didn't realize until that point that my epidural wasn't working. He said, he just thought maybe I was being dramatic. I was like, and they probably did too. And that's probably why it happened. They were like, oh, you know, she's, she got an epidural, you know, she's got an epidural pump running. I'm not even going to ask her if, you know, she's Mm -hmm. feeling pain versus pressure, pain versus, you know, touch. Um, but yeah, that needs to, that's something that needs to always be said. Yeah. Gosh, I can't tell you how many patients that I've had that are like that, where they get an epidural later in the game or, it wears off and they start stitching and they're like, ow, 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 ow. I feel everything. Yeah. And you just, it's a very easy, like, okay, no problem. We'll just give you a local anesthetic, you know, in a, like lidocaine and numb you up and then keep stitching. And it's like no big deal. And I'm, oh, that and makes me sick that they didn't. Yeah. It, it was, it was not, it was not fun. And so there was a point before, right before she was born literally to the point where I felt like I had to push where the anesthesiologist came in back in. He said, well, I can redo the epidural. And I said, get out of my face. I can't stay still. And they had tried giving, giving me like four more doses of whatever it was to. Uh, Yeah. And it just didn't work. Wrong spot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And later on my nurse, she said something like, well, yeah, you may as well have just taken Tylenol. And I looked at her and I thought, and you didn't tell him to stop stitching me. You couldn't have said, Hey, by the way, she's feeling all of this. Oh, but that's, that's just mean. 
That's yeah. awful. I'm so sorry that happened to you. That that <laughs> makes me want to punch somebody. Yeah, that's not um, ideal. Um, yeah. And that really kind of traumatized me in ways I didn't realize until my son was born. Um, oh, I can imagine. And But to finish up with, with my daughter, um, so breastfeeding with her and I, it just didn't happen. She had the moment they put her on my chest and she was like yelling. Um, I saw that she had a really bad tongue tie. Like I could see it. Untrained really? eye did not, I didn't even take any breastfeeding courses. I was like, that little thing is way too far up on her tongue. That looks crazy. Wow. Um, the lactation consultant blew me off. The pediatrician that was in the hospital doing rounds blew me off. Um, oh gosh. It, it was just, it was not a great experience. Um, yeah. So sound like it. Um, when we went to her pediatrician at her, you know, five day appointment or whatever, she said, mm-hmm. okay, this is really severe. I don't feel comfortable doing it. And they referred me to um, ENT at Cincinnati Children's Hospital who mm-hmm. they did the release and everything um, in May. It took a long time to get in. And by then it was just breastfeeding. It just wasn't happening for us. Yeah. Which is fine. I, yeah. at the time I'm at peace with it and I was like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, it is what it is. So after all of this, like my takeaway from that was I swore next time I had a baby, I would be a better advocate for myself. Cause that entire time I, it was like, I didn't realize I could speak up. I thought Mm -hmm. I kind of had to like, just go with what they were doing. And that's not the case. Like that is my number one message to any mom or any pregnant woman that I talk to. Like if it's their first time, fifth time, seventh time, doesn't matter. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you can tell them to stop. You can Mm-hmm. change things up um as long as it's something that is deemed safe um, yeah. and I s- did not go to the same provider obviously because that was just Good. a nightmare um Good. and then I took courses to prepare myself better for the next time I took your course and then I took the milkology um breastfeeding course and those are just awesome I really think they Good. um the milkology course is the reason I was successful breastfeeding this time. It's so great. I love to, yeah. I, we talk, I, I'll interview people on the podcast and talk about that. And they're like, I took the micology class. I took them. I'm like, I know it's so, it's so great. And it's a good price. And it's just like, it just gives you everything you kind of mm-hmm. need to know and you can go back and refer. Um, but I'm glad to hear that, that at least you, you didn't, you know, you had a bad experience with the first, with your first one, but you kind of took that experience and learned from it. And hopefully we'll, we're going to get into your birth story <laughs> now, hopefully had a much better experience the next go around because you kind of knew what were, what went wrong and how, you know, how to advocate for yourself better, how to do more education. So right. That's good. That's, that's a good thing, even though you had a traumatic experience. Yeah, definitely. And with my son, I, I found out I was pregnant with him when my daughter was 13 months old, mm-hmm. um, which we expected it to take six months again. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going to have two under two. Awesome. That's funny how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, my pregnancy with my son was totally different. hundred really? percent. Um, he, I was not sick at all. I, oh, I didn't even right. throw up once in the first trimester. I feel like i maybe got a little queasy feeling once and I was yeah. like, "Ugh, my belly. And then I was like, why am I feeling upset about this at all? This is nothing. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, hmm, maybe I blocked out part of those <laughs> memories from <laughs> How my daughter. Bad it actually was. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I think <laughs> she would have been an only child. Um, yeah. So I think it was a lot easier in that way. But obviously, I was exhausted from having a toddler. And he was a much bigger baby. Um, mm-hmm. So... My, I had a, a lot more um, round ligament pain and um, just like body soreness in general. Um, oh, me too. Like, yeah. let me just say, I my round ligament pain, it's not, I'm, I'm more, I guess, aware of it now. So I'm mm-hmm. like, when I get out of bed, I try to really hold my belly or like when I get up, I try to hold, but it started early oh, with yeah. this one and I didn't like and I was like, why am I, why is my belly hurting so bad? I'm, I'm only 13 weeks or 15 weeks or whatever. But yeah, that round ligament pain is, it's way worse with, that's very common with second or third or fourth pregnancies. Yeah. We, I found out I was pregnant Rough. in early April and um, 
we had a trip to San Francisco planned in, gosh, end of May. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I can barely walk. Like I am, it is so bad. Um, But you know, you get over it. You do what you got to do. You got to live. That's right. And so, like I said, I, I took the birth birthing course um, and I had planned for an unmedicated birth. I was like, I've done this before. Like, mm-hmm. I know I can do it. I have a human child here to prove it. Um, right. <laughs> and, um, but I did not take into account how I would feel, how my feeling, what my feelings would be once I got there. Um, yeah. So I was induced at 39 weeks and four days. Um, and that okay. was partially because um, I was just so like tired and it was almost Christmas and mm-hmm. my mother-in-law had come up to stay with us um, and it worked out for childcare. <laughs> I was yeah. like, you know what? Let's get this baby out. We have somebody to stay home with do. our daughter. Um, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So my appointment was for 3 a.m. I got there. They got me on Pituitin by five. Everything was going great. Um, at around six thirty is when my contractions started. Like I started feeling them, and then once they started happening, I just got this pit in my stomach, and I felt like I couldn't oh. breathe. I oh. was feeling so anxious and so afraid, and just like I had never had this much anxiety before. Just mm-hmm. of you know, what if I tear again, and I'm going to feel it all, and they don't listen to me, and just like even right now remembering how I felt is kind of making like me feel short of breath mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I had never, never felt that kind of anxiety. I really feel like it was probably some kind of panic attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, it sound- okay, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, new plan. <laughs> We're getting mm-hmm. an epidural. And the nurse who I had was actually a nurse that had worked with my mom previously. My mom had been her manager and she ah. was wonderful. Her name was Mary and she was the best, the best, the best. Um, And she was like, she was like, let's get you this epidural. Um, And the anesthesiologist was pulled into like an emergency situation, but I was still kind of, I was going slow. So it was fine. Like, Uh so I asked for it around seven 30 and I probably got the epidural at around nine. Like it was kicked in at nine. Completed. And I wanted to ask you to, um, I know your provider was, different with this one where you get a different hospital too or is it with a what's different, the hospital. Hospital? different hospital different hospital too. so diff- okay gotcha so different hospital different provider completely different correct um cool. so right before I got my epidural my water broke and I was like oh. I need this epidural to happen right now because right. this is gonna start getting real um right. But then they got it. The anesthesiologist was so much better. He talked me through every step of it. I never heard right. of, oh, uh-oh, or any of yeah. that. He was like, yeah. this will be perfect. You're, you should feel better. Let me know right. how this feels, whatever, and all of the good stuff. Um, yeah. And immediately, as soon as like the pain relief hit, my anxiety was gone. Honestly, I kind oh, of good. felt... I felt like I was drunk. Like that's what the epidural did to me. And that's how I knew this time it worked. Interesting because it, it is, it's very interesting that you say that because epidurals, you know, there is, um, most of the time there is a narcotic mixed in with the medication, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't exactly go in your, in your bloodstream, but just the relief of not feeling contractions mm-hmm. can give you that state of like euphoria and like feeling kind of like you're, you're in a drunk state. So it is, Yeah, I, I'm glad you, glad you brought that up. Cause that is a thing. <laughs> and I was like all of a sudden going from like, you know, clenching my teeth, trying to stay relaxed to, right. this is fine. Everything is right. fine. I feel great. Um, right. and I had previously warned the nurse and my mom because, you know, my mom knew her. Once this epidural hits, we're moving. Like, that's how it happened last time. And it was my first baby. It went quickly. Like, that's what's going to happen. So I feel like I got laid down in bed um, as they kind of messed with the epidural to, or I'm sorry, not the epidural, the Pitocin to boost it up a little bit um, after the epidural because, for whatever reason, I, I don't know. I'm not a nurse. Um, <laughs> and, um, I got relaxed and right after the epidural, my mom told me it was like nine 30. 
the nurse checked me and I was four centimeters dilated at okay between like 9.30, 9.45. And then all of a sudden my son's heart rate started to drop. Ugh. Like they were and everything was fine. They tried switching positions. They turned me on my side, turned me on my other side. Um, they tried the peanut ball. Um, and then it wasn't coming back up. And so it went from me, my husband, my mom, and the nurse in the delivery room to about 15 people very quickly. And so I, and it's scary for the patient too. like try to prepare people for that in case that happens. Yeah. I'll be honest. I was still feeling that cloud nine. I was like, Hey guys, how's it going? (laughs) Okay, well, in that in that case, it worked out to your <laughs> And um, my husband, you know, white as a sheet. My mom is like trying is yeah. staying calm, and they put the oxygen mask on me, and I'm like just like breathing and doing my yeah. thing, and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like, <laughs> lots of stuff happening. At least you were calm. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, we need you to stay calm. And I was like, I am calm. I'm good. I was like, if I don't stay calm. He won't stay calm talking about the baby. They were like, that's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so it was like, I want to say 10 o'clock. My mom said that the charge nurse said, when's the last time you checked her? And my nurse said just 10 minutes ago, she was four centimeters. And she said, well, she's complete. Um, this is, it's time to do this. (laughs) Exactly. Almost how it went the first time, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, and then the doctor had arrived because of my son's heart rate dropping and, um, it, it it went really, really fast from there. For some reason, my mom knew all the times, I guess, just from being used to checking times and stuff Mm -hmm. at her job. Um, and she said at 10 15 is when, the doctor came in and was like, okay, this is happening. And I remember very vividly, even through my basically drunken state, <laughs> um, the doctor looked at me and said, this isn't your first time doing this. So I'm not going to waste time telling you how to push, but yeah. I need you to push as hard as you can. Cause we need to get this baby out right now. Right. And I was like, okay. Heart rate was low. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, that was 10, 15 and they ended up using a vacuum cause he was turned at a strange angle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born at 1024. Okay. And um the cord had been wrapped around his neck, I think they said two or three times. Wow. Um, and they think it was because I had progressed so quickly, he kind of just dropped down. And it pulled. Yeah. And it pulled and he kind of got in a weird angle because it was just all of a sudden mm-hmm. like comfy cozy to boom, you are mm-hmm. getting ready to come out and you're gonna meet us. Um mm-hmm. so he didn't really have the time to move into the correct position. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was eight pounds, three ounces. Um, so that was a whole different ball game compared to my tiny and little six pounder. <laughs> I was going to say six pounds. How yeah. many ounces was your daughter? One, one ounce. What? So six, one to eight, three, what'd you say? Eight, three. Yeah. So over two pounds. And I, and I'm like, I guess you were two weeks mm-hmm. more. Yeah. So that made a little bit of a difference. And second babies, sometimes they tend to be a little bit bigger just in general, but wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm nervous. If we have number three, I'm going to have a 10 pound I baby. <laughs> I know. Don't go to 41 weeks. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and so I did tear again this time, but they said it was probably just because it was so fast. Yeah. Um, my, I didn't have any time to kind of adjust um, yeah. but I didn't feel anything. I got stitches. Everything was great. Um, baby on my chest, the rest of the world didn't exist basically at that awesome. point. Um, awesome. he did have some gunk in his lungs and he, they had to do like a deep suction. Um, mm-hmm. but he was gone or gone, when I say gone, I mean off of me for maybe two minutes and yeah. then they put him right back on and he had Good. started, he started show, like getting a better color and looking a lot better the moment they put him back on. So they were like, yeah, we're just going to leave him. Um, Cause clearly that's what he needs is skin to right. skin, not anything else. Right. Um, right. And that time he, he immediately latched. He, I like was looking at his mouth, didn't see anything. Of course I'm not an expert, but um, he didn't look like he was tongue tied. Like my daughter was. Um, yeah. But he immediately latched. We had a, an amazing experience at this hospital. I like it. 
the amount of relief I felt was just, it's, it's indescribable. Like the lactation consultants, the lactation consultant, she listened, she was helpful. Uh, And I, I skimmed over this last time, but basically at the other hospital, the lactation consultant blew me off and then made me cry. And my mom kicked her out and said, and reported her to some people. I don't know. My mom ran it up, ran it up. We can do, we can do that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We can, we can do that. But let me, um, I wanted to ask, was your mom a labor and delivery nurse? Was she just med surge or like what kind of nurse was she? No. So my mom, she worked in orthopedics actually Okay. for years and years. And she just moved into a different department recently. Um, and she now is a director, so she doesn't have as much patient face-to-face time, but contact. Yeah. Yeah. But she knows how to manage nurses and, um, and healthcare employees and and everything. Um, and she knows obviously how to advocate for people and, you know, Hey, this is not right. Or Hey, (laughs) and she knows when people are being out of line, basically she, she never announces, Oh, I'm a nurse. You're not doing this right. She just kind of, she more pass like sits back and is a passive observer. She like a good nurse. She yeah. Like a very good nurse. <laughs> it, until she needs to like jump in and be like, right. absolutely not. Um, right. and so with, with my son, um, the breastfeeding experience has been hundred percent different. He did have some weight gain and transfer issues at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. we saw three different IVCLCs, um, because I was just like, they were great, but they didn't have the tools I needed until the third mm-hmm. one that I saw. Mm-hmm. And I think I would not have had the confidence to go from professional to professional to professional had it not been for what happened with my daughter's birth mm-hmm. and seeing that I really needed to advocate for myself and my child mm-hmm. more strongly to get what mm-hmm. the results that I needed. Um, because initially when my son was born there, he had a little bit of jaundice. It wasn't bad. Um, but because of the transfer issues, it was kind of taking a little longer to go away than they would have liked. And immediately the doctor said, just give him formula. And without even ask, like asking, like, have you tried this? Have you tried mm-hmm. going to a lactation consultant? Have mm-hmm. you done any of these things? Um, and so instead I said, mm, I'd rather not, I'd rather keep trying this. I'd rather, and I'll come, I'll come back for as many weight checks as you want, but mm-hmm. I don't want to be pushed into something that I don't feel is right for us. Um, and so now we are almost five months and exclusively breastfed. He's awesome. never had a bottle, um, which has been a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. But, a lot on um, you for sure. <laughs> but now it is just so much easier. Like if that's the one thing I can say to like, breastfeeding moms that maybe haven't done it before is like the first month I felt like a zombie in some ways, but like after that, like once it clicked, it clicked. Now it takes in 10 minutes to eat and we're good to go. Um, and you kind of just, it is like, I remember that it's so mm -hmm. hard in the beginning. And I remember thinking, you know what, I'm just going to breastfeed for three months. I'm just going to do it till this time. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to do it till this time till I get back to work. I'm just, I'm pro- I'll probably get it up at six months once three months came. And then you are in it and you're like, actually, I'm good. Like yeah. I, it was really, really hard at first. And there's like kind of an initiation period where you just don't know what you're doing. And, you know, you have, you're struggling a whole lot, but it does, it does get so much easier when they get older and they just, you know, are more efficient and they're just, they can hold their heads up Mm -hmm. and it's just, yeah, totally. And I think it, it was like, there was pain, it hurt and it, it wasn't abnormal pain. It was your nipples have never been used like this. So it's just getting used to it. It was like, there was pain, there was pain, there was pain. And then all of a sudden there wasn't. And then I was like, wait, hold on. It, it doesn't bother me anymore. When did it stop bothering me? When did it start getting easier? And you Mm kind of don't even remember because it just happens. Um, and then, like you said, you get to that three month mark and you're like, I've worked so hard and I had a whole month of nipple pain just to stop at three months. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And um, so, and I I do have a bit of an overproduction to where I pump in the evenings and my, I give my daughter 
milk in a cup, especially with everything going on with the coronavirus. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even though we're not leaving the house, uh, but you know, so yeah. antibodies hey, never hurt. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like it did. It, if you got it and you, and you can give it and Hey, you know what? You save a little money on a Definitely. Uh, milk, you know, or whatever Definitely. you give her, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. I have the, I have the extra stash. I'm going to, going to use my extra stash. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one other really big difference that I noticed between my two experiences is after my daughter was born, she was born on a Saturday afternoon and my husband went back to work on Tuesday and, um, my mom wasn't able to take work off and my mother-in-law stayed for a couple of days, but she lives out of town and had to go back home. And with my son, he had five weeks off of work, completely off. Mm, And huge difference. It was, it was so different. I, with my daughter, I struggled with some postpartum depression and Mm -hmm. just feeling very, very isolated. Mm -hmm. And with my son, I, I feel like myself, I feel more Mm -hmm. like myself than I have since my daughter was born. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just from having my husband there to help. Support is so key. I mean, so key. Yeah. And also the lack of, even though his birth was kind of crazy with everything, but perceived trauma, the lack of perceived trauma, I would say, um, and successfully breastfeeding to where I wasn't feeling down about that. I think had my daughter's birth been smooth, easy, no problem. And then I couldn't have breastfed. I would have been fine, but I think everything kind of stacked up. Plus my husband going right back to work. It all just kind of snowballed into this not great place. Um, and with my son, I, it's just hundred percent different. I feel, like I said, normal, just tired. <laughs> yeah, of course. And now you got two kids. So like that makes right. you, that just naturally makes you tired. <laughs> and also, I just want to say that I've seen all over, you know, everywhere that the transition from one kids to two is so hard and everything. But I have found it was way smoother than the transition from zero to one. Woohoo. That's good news for me too. <laughs> yeah. Cause I feel like from zero to one, you kind of, you have to learn this whole new type of life of, I yeah. can't just go to the movies. I can't just get up and go to yeah. dinner. We have to yeah. like, do we have all of our thousand things ready? Yeah. When do they have to take a nap? When do they have to eat? And to right. where you're like, yeah, well, this is just our life. We come yeah. with, we come with bags of baby things. Um, and that transition was was much easier. So that's so great. That's yeah. so great and so positive to say. I know I've talked to I've had two close friends now who have had babies, like second babies, and they mm-hmm. both have said the exact same thing. Like zero to one was way harder than like one to two. Yeah, definitely. And I've heard that from, you know, just dozens of of people, you know, on my Instagram, like just kind of DMing me and saying stuff like that and, you know, saying, or just saying how hard it is the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you're right. It's like, I'm trying, and I'm trying to tell myself that too. I'm I'm trying to like set myself up. So I'm anticipating that it's going to be just as hard, right? Like you don't want to like set yourself up for failure, but then I'm also in the back of my mind, like, I think it's going to be. Easier. Yeah. Well, and I, <laughs> I think a big part of it is, is before you have your baby, the first, your first baby, you have never felt that bone deep right. sense of tired before. Now right. you've done it. Right. You kind of know what to expect. <laughs> and like, how many hours did I get last night? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, at, once you go into a second baby, you're like, okay, this is what it is. And also I think inherently just second children are programmed to be way more easygoing. Like my son, just out of necessity, because they just Mm -hmm. can't have as much attention. My son is so relaxed. He will lay on his little play mat and play for hours if I let him because my daughter is like, mama, 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 markers, books. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, CEO. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I can't just like hold you and cuddle you like I did your sister. But he's yeah. over there just smiling and squealing Aww. and stuff. But so Aww. there is hope. You're going to do great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Well, that's a good way to end things. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That was so great. I'm so glad that 
you were able to almost have this second experience where mm-hmm. you're, you're right. It's, you know, you still things happened and you had a that, you know, some people would probably look at that experience point blank and say, oh my gosh, she had an epidural with her second one and she had a vacuum extraction and they were doing all these interventions and like, it was just, you know, just a schematic, but like, it wasn't, well, I think you used the word perceived trauma. Like it wasn't like perceived trauma is very, very important when we look at experiences. Um, So I'm so glad that the first one, you know, I'm not glad that it, that you had mm-hmm. a traumatic experience with your first one, but I'm so glad that your second one was at least able to really heal you in a lot of ways, not only for your birth, but for breastfeeding experience from, you know, motherhood. Um, that's so great. And, so and it awesome. truly was, it was like, I came up from being underwater for the longest yeah. time after yeah. it, because it, it really did come full circle and it, it healed me in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's um, great. to seeing birth doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't, yeah. even if it's unmedicated, medicated, it doesn't have to be right. an emotionally painful experience. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Well, good way to end it. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for coming on to the Thank Mommy Nurse podcast. That was such a positive. I love positive. You know, I love all birth stories. Everybody mm-hmm. has their, has their own story, but love the positivity that you, that you shared. So thank you for coming on. All right. You are so welcome. All right. So that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.